Welcome to The Brand is Female, I'm Ava Hartling. This week, I'm speaking with Marissa Freed, president of Freed & Freed International, a Canadian garment manufacturer founded over a hundred years ago, and of which Marissa took over the reins directly from her father. Under her leadership, Freed has evolved to offer an array of new products. Among other pieces, their teddy coat has been quite the rage these past few winters. And when facing the start of the COVID pandemic, Marissa led her team through a pivot, and I know we're tired of hearing this word, but it's quite appropriate in this case, and they literally started to produce PPE, including masks, both for frontline workers as well as for consumers. Marissa wanted to be able to give back to the community and decided to partner with Indigo Arrows, a Winnipeg-based Anishinaabe design company. The two brands created a limited edition mask with part of the profits going to an organization offering support to Indigenous communities. Before we get to our conversation, I want to thank our sponsors. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women entrepreneurs achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebranniesfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. So it's a pleasure officially meeting you. Thank you so much for uh, making the time to speak with me on The Brand is Female today, Marissa. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Again, I want to just tell you as I did offline about what an honor it is to be on this with you and mostly simply because I've been drawn to the title for so long and the brand is female just speaks to I think women and um, obviously to women but like all women and it's just it's it's really an honor to be here. Well, thank you. That really means a lot. And I'm glad we're speaking because um, you are you're you're doing something very interesting. I'm excited to get into all the things that uh, your your brand has been up to. But first, I want to start by asking you. So and it's interesting because you're you're at the helm today of what started as a family business and what still is a family business. So I'm going to ask you the question I always ask my guests. And in your case, I'm, I'm curious to hear if you already knew from a young age that you would be uh, taking over the company one day? And if not, what did you dream of becoming later in life? Uh, great question. And I've actually been asked this question a few times. And um, it's, you know, I'm not sure at a young age you really understand what taking over a family business really entails. So I don't think I ever envisioned that per se. What I can say it was is that it was a very organic fit when looking back now, being that at the age of 13, I designed my own bat mitzvah outfit. At the age of 18, <laughs> I, I designed my own graduation dress. And I think part of those opportunities stem from the fact that my, my father was in the business. So, you know, I had access to fabrics and I had somebody who understood production and how to make a, a garment and quality. Um, so, yes, I think it was ingrained in me and also part of just who I grew into organically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And tell me about that transition. Um, did it become obvious, you know, when you started throughout your studies, when you started thinking about your real, uh, your your career choice? Um, was was it clear that you wanted to, you know, continue in your in your father's footsteps, or um, did it happen by accident? Did your father have to convince you to take over? Or tell me about that process. Uh, well, the one thing I was told repeatedly as growing up by my mother was to be sure that I had a profession, mm -hmm. meaning 
do not enter the family business. Do not do what your father did. Um, <laughs> so I think when I was in school, when I originally decided at the age of, I I'm, I'm, can't recall if it was 18 or 19, that I really wanted to go into fashion school, mm -hmm. um, my parents were terribly against it. Wow. Um, I think mostly because um, it, it just wasn't a thing really then. They existed. Fashion schools existed. But it wasn't really a mainstream acceptable direction, at mm -hmm. least not in, in the environment that I grew up in. So first of all, I was certainly directed elsewhere to begin with by my parents. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, I think that... Um, my father just didn't really want the same struggles and the same pressures for us growing up. Right. So it ended up happening more because I was living in the States. I was in Miami. I had a scholarship for university. I carried on and had a scholarship for grad school, finished that up, was working in Miami and the real estate crash happened. Oh, and yeah. because I was there and because I had a working visa, because I was Canadian um, and I needed to begin to look for a new employment, I was getting lowballed from a pay structure right. position simply because I required that working visa. Okay. I decided to go back to Winnipeg in between taking a job or at that point in time thinking I was going to take a job and move to California to teach at a fashion school. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I started helping my father in the business. He had been doing it for a really long time. He was looking to slow down. There was nobody in the family that at that point that was taking it over. And he just you know, was feeling happy and confident with his accomplishments at that point in time and just not needing to carry on. Mm -hmm. And somehow I remember being there for a few months and how I was thinking to myself, hmm, can I do something here? And everybody at that point, I remember it so vividly, everybody in my family at that point thought I was out of my mind. <laughs> anyway, fast forward 11 years later, here we are, mm -hmm. and I haven't drowned. And uh, here, you know, I guess now everybody looks at it and thinks to themselves, "Oh, maybe it was a good fit. Maybe she was onto something." <laughs> yeah, it took it. It took a few years, but they're they're seeing that you were right. Um, <laughs> did you? And and obviously, I'm sure you know your your dad was a was an influence and it still is an influence in your life. But did you have any women role models throughout your journey? And by role models, it can be you know just a woman that you've looked up to, somebody who's inspired you no matter the background they're in, whether they're in fashion or something else. So I think somebody that has always um, stimulated me in the creative space and um, just been like that, you know, when you get together with people, and I remember this feeling when I went to fashion school, because I actually did end up going to fashion school, even though my parents didn't want me to, but right. then I had to carry on and get, I got a bachelor in science and then I got an MBA, but I remember very well being in fashion school and finding being in that classroom with people that even though our specifics you know varied within the fashion industry itself and our our, our true passion was fashion and finding that so um stimulating and i remember mm -hmm. that feeling very well and i think that one woman that speaks out to me that way and has been that way for me and anytime i sort of am feeling 
a well maybe in those creative juices has been Robin Kay. And um, Robin Kay is is really, she grew up in Winnipeg, known Mm -hmm. my father her whole life, and has just always been in that space, like a mentor for me and a a visionary and, and a creative stimulator. And I think I've been very, very lucky to be able to bounce ideas off her and, and have her in my life for that mm-hmm. reason. That's that's amazing. And she is definitely a trailblazer in the, in the industry. And okay. actually speaking of that, um, we all know the fashion industry can be challenging. We know it's especially challenging for Canadian brands. Um, it's a, you know, we have a smaller market here. Um, we have, there's competition from, from large brands south of the border or international brands. Um, that are really, you know, that have the, the means in terms of marketing, in terms of supply chain to really, you know, overtake our market. Uh, there's been, uh, I, think, I think one of the, I don't, I'm not sure I like using the expression silver lining as a result of COVID because there's so much pain and suffering. But um, one thing that's come out um, of, of our experience over these past few months has been, you know, campaigns around the importance of shopping local and supporting homegrown companies and businesses. So how has that been for you? Because you've literally taken a company that is taken over 100 years old. Yeah, we turned 100 this year. Congratulations. and. Mm-hmm you're still going and you are, you know, innovating, you are finding new projects, uh, you guys are still, you know, thriving. So tell me, and, and was that something that you were conscious of, you know, the risks that came with um, trying, you know, taking this company and making it relevant for, for today's market and consumers, basically? Um, yeah, so COVID, I agree with you, has, has been a really sticky situation and has brought on some very unfortunate hardships for a lot of people. I think that it has also, in a way that we've never had the opportunity of, grouped us together mm-hmm. and had a lot of us realize, you know, and this goes well beyond the fashion industry, I think, um, in business as a whole and as a community as a whole and as a nation as a whole, Um, taught us how to lift one another up and support one another in hard times. And that was part of, I think, when we launched our A Mask by Freed, Mm -hmm. that was part of some of our first messaging. Mm -hmm. It was about all coming together and being together and doing this together and surviving, really surviving this together. Mm -hmm. So I think for myself, you know, we've always had both a footprint on the domestic side along with um, an import business. And we still have both, but I think we're being recognized more and more for our local ability and our local production. And I think also now more than ever, you're right, people are looking to support Made in Canada. People are looking to support local and people are trying to figure out how to ensure that as businesses, we're all here whether that be the restaurant industry, the fashion industry, you know, any type of industry. It's like, how do we make sure that we're all here tomorrow? Because mm-hmm. everybody else is trying to figure out how to support their own. So mm-hmm. we need to be here and we need to be present to support our own. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, again, you know, hardships for COVID, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, we can continue to discuss those and they're still having so many industries are really having a tough time. But yeah. I think that more and more, we're all paying attention to, you know, how how do we make sure that we all come out of this on the other side? Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tell me about, I want to talk about leadership because you are a woman at the helm of your, of your company. And um, I've had discussions with, with guests on the show where, you know, we've talked about female leadership as compared to male leadership and kind of, you know, uh, traits and, and uh, just, uh, just attitudes and mindsets and qualities that are typically more embodied by women leaders. And I don't like to put people in categories, but there are certain skills that women bring to the workplace in a leadership position. So what what is your take on that? And what are some qualities that you think you bring on as a woman leader in your company? I think over the past four years of being a mom, um, having I've had a stepdaughter for longer. I've had a stepdaughter for about seven years, and I think that that too made me a mom. Um, but I, I think also having my own children. So my oldest is four, my youngest is two and a half. I think those also affected my values and my my way of I guess working as part of a team and figuring out how to best nurture a team. You know, I think one thing for women is that we are often and and maybe less more less so today than ever, but we're we're often underestimated. And we can take this back to the position of women in the 1950s and the 1960s. And again, reminding my, you know, all of us and especially myself that I have a father who's also somewhat dated in in women running businesses right. and thinking, you know, women, we have babies and we have families and our concentration is just that. But really, women achieve so much more than men. And I'm, I'm by no means diminishing what men have done, you know, for themselves and, and how they lead their lives and how they run businesses. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, women are actively running a family being a mother, giving birth, having that baby, being pregnant, and at the same time continuing to run businesses. Mm, and, and that in itself, I think, has really changed the way that I see mentoring a team or mm. bringing together a team and figuring out how to operate as a team. And some of these discussions I've actually been having actively with my team this week is about, you know, what are the purpose of titles anymore today? You know, maybe you have to divide a little bit of, you know, what job descriptions are, but but why can't we all be more of an equal platform Mm -hmm. or an an equal, you know, so there's not, there isn't as much of a hierarchy and that isn't necessarily addressing only women on the team. It's it's saying we all have an involvement here. We -hmm. all achieve successes together here. And um, we all have to learn to work together here in order to succeed. And we have to be able to rely on each other. And we have to share in the successes and share in the hardships. Mm -hmm. So I think being a mom, not just a woman, has really, really changed the way that I've perceived and attempted to instill values as a team member. So, you know, I see myself as that team member. So myself being the team member, does that mean one day that I have to pack a shipment going out? Sure. That may be what I need to do. You know, does it mean that I'm representing my team in a customer service email because whoever on the team or or maybe there's a few members on the team that are unable to? Sure. I mean, it's all, all of us sharing again. I think 
looping back to where I, what I was saying a few moments ago is sharing in the successes and sharing in the hardships together. Mm-hmm. And I think women are a little more in tune with that than men typically are. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, and based on that, and you've spoken about, you know, the importance of, of mentoring your team, uh, what does women supporting women mean for you? And, you know, you have put in place an initiative recently that I would I would love for, for you to tell us about. But I think, again, going back to what we've been going through in the past few months, um, I think we've seen real examples of, you know, leadership and and women stepping up and um, helping, you know, as you pointed out, supporting businesses around them, but literally lending a hand to a fellow woman entrepreneur or, you know, another woman leader and and really kind of succeeding, trying to succeed as a a team and, and, and overcome obstacles as a team as well. So back to women supporting women, what does that mean to you? And I think there's two different things that that means to me. I think first and foremost, women supporting women um, means that we need to realize that we have to create the space for us if the space doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So by creating that space, um, that's as an individual, as a woman, create that space, be, be confident enough to demand that space and take that space when the opportunity is given. And then I think, Uh, for women supporting women, our job together is allowing other women to take that space and genuinely being happy and supportive of them taking that space and realizing in order to to achieve that support, um, realizing that there isn't just one space anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. there's as many spaces as we want. So let's all take as many spaces as we need to make that difference. And let's all support each other and realize that we're not competing with one another. We're here to do this together. Like, let's hold hands. Let's do it together. Let's band together. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's never been more of an opportunity than there is today for exactly that. And I I think that some some of the things that get lost amongst women is thinking that there's a limited space. And because of that limited space, we're fighting for it versus supporting one another and creating more space for each other. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners who can provide education, financing, mentorship, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. So let's talk about the, the project you've recently implemented as a result of COVID. And I know that right off the bat, when COVID hit, your your company um, already, you know, I hate using the term pivot, but, you know, there, there was that shift to uh, yeah. producing masks to help uh, healthcare workers and, and just, you know, the, the, the need for um, uh, any, any frontline workers who needed PPE, basically. And recently you've implemented a collaboration with a, an Indigenous brand. So I'd love to hear more because that involves a, a fellow woman entrepreneur, of course. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I have to go back to the beginning days of COVID, obviously an unprecedented time for all of us. And um, again, you know, you, you, you sort of forget about the hardships you've experienced five years ago or six years ago when it's replaced by an active one and, and one that's presently affecting you. So for myself, I have about 100 workers um, within my my office in based out of Winnipeg. And um, the first thing that I thought about was, oh, my God, we're all being shut down. You, mm-hmm. And we had at that point, you know, in March, we really had no idea what yeah. this was going to look like. It was started at the end of February. Yeah. So in Winnipeg, everything was relatively shut down for a few weeks, you know, and then some people led into months, which was so unfortunate. And I thought to myself, I have a lot of workers in a factory. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that everybody wasn't relevant and the office and the management staff aren't relevant. But I think to myself about the people in the factory and the people that are living in multi-generational households and how reliant they are on that paycheck. And I had tremendous anxiety, tremendous, because mm. at that point I was, I didn't, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Um, and I'm not even sure, you know, until recently, like I, I really was able to, because you're just, you're running, you're running yeah. and you're trying to figure out how to create that path. Yeah. So, you're right in it. Yeah. So it's, you, you just, you don't pause and you don't really think you're doing. Mm-hmm. So because I'd spent so much time working overseas and masking, if you will, or face covering, mm-hmm. however you want to address it, is normalized there. And it's part Absolutely. of Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I was traveling and, you know, I never took time off when I was pregnant. I never, I took a couple of days off when I had babies. So I was traveling overseas eight and a half months pregnant. Mm. And I was wearing a mask. I was wearing a mask. I was on a plane for 14 hours. I was in, you know, markets and things are, there's a lot of smoking. It's a different environment than what we're used to. And I was wearing a mask all the time. Mm -hmm. So for myself and for, you know, some, some of the people who travel with me and some of my team, it was a normalized situation where we weren't doing it here in Canada, but we understood it. We had masks, we've worn masks you know, we, we understood it. So it just made sense. It made Mm -hmm. sense to me, even though at the very beginning of the pandemic, as you recall, it was mentioned that, you know, regular, let's say civilians, if you will, were not needed. We didn't need to wear masks. They were really only for the frontline workers. To my, to my logical brain from those beginning days, it made no sense. It just didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No. So all of a sudden it was like, okay, there may be an opportunity here. And because, you know, I make government uniforms, because I make garments for some big retail chains, Mm -hmm. I was able to put something together. You know, we've been making garments for a really long time. A mask is a very small garment for us. (laughs) We're making much more complicated goods. Yeah. So all of these things, you know, we're just, we were very lucky. We had all the knowledge. So we were able to put this all together very quickly. And soon enough, it was an incorporated business because it was there was a demand and we were selling and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, within three weeks, everybody was back at the office. And, and ever since, everybody has been employed. Amazing. And 
it is. It's it's really amazing. I'm so grateful, but it's a really huge team accomplishment right. because everybody came in at the beginning stages at different times to help, you know, position this and to, to be able to put this a mask by freed out there in, mm-hmm. in the world. And um, we're just, you know, we've had, we had great partnerships beforehand, which we were able to rely on. We were one of the first again, just simply because it was, we we're familiar with this normalized environment of, of mask wearing. And um, yeah, we just, you know, lucky, grateful. I mean, I don't, you know, the list goes on, but um, it's now, it's a, now a legitimate business that has allowed us to really weather this storm. And tell me about the recent partnership with Broken Arrows, which extended kind of the, the, the mask, uh, you know, the, the mask thing to, uh, to uh, a, a, new, a new direction, basically, and one where you're supporting a fellow woman entrepreneur. Yeah, sure. So indigo arrows, bro- people often oh. broken arrows because of the arrows on the mask, but it's actually exactly. the, the, yeah, the, um, the business is called indigo arrows. Thank, so, thank you for correcting that. Absolutely. Um, indigo arrows was created by Destiny Seymour, who by trade is an interior designer. Um, surprisingly enough, once a, uh, team member of mine and I spoke about this and, and found Destiny, we realized that we knew a lot of people that already had Destiny's um, thing, different different items from Destiny's line. So my mother had Destiny's napkins, and um, my team member Layla's her mom had Destiny's pillows. So I think that Destiny was a little more uh, known already in the community. Mm-hmm. But there were a few things that stood out to me that were really important when we originally just started looking for somebody, let's say, like Destiny. Number one we realized we already had this platform um, and we wanted to be able to do a few things during COVID because people were paying more and more attention. So one was collaborating with somebody in our backyard. So we wanted to make sure that we were creating a platform for a like-minded business woman from Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. You know, Winnipeg was the first to accept us and help us lift this unmask by freed up and allow us to to achieve some success so it was really important that we did that in a in a payback fashion mm-hmm. next was important that we you know took into consideration the fact that we were turning 100 in this canadian history so we wanted to tap into canadiana mm-hmm. history of canada all of those kinds of things and of course in winnipeg a big community you know, obviously throughout Canada, but a very big community that's represented is the Indigenous community, very active community. And then at the same time, we wanted to be able to address, I mean, you know, we talk about this and we we don't actually spend enough time talking about how truly talented Destiny is. Mm-hmm. So I think Destiny and Indigo Arrows would have stood out to us, but also those factors were important. So they just kind of all aligned but I mean, Destiny's creations are a be- are beautiful. The story of how she comes up with the designs are beautiful. So all of that from a creative side also sat really well with us. Right. Um, and then it was also about being able to link into a local, again, like community um, organization, charity, if you will, that was underfunded and that you know, a lot of people are trying to band together and give do give backs during COVID, but it was about finding something 
a story that inspired us, an organization that inspired us. And at the same time that we truly felt was underfunded and, and the reasons why it was underfunded. So, you know, we, we asked Destiny. She um, obviously agrees when Indigo Arrows was on board, which was amazing. And we were so excited um, for all of the reasons I just told you. And then we spoke to Destiny and we, we said to her that we really wanted um, for her to pick the charity or the organization that we were going to do the give back for, because that was sort of us honoring um, the opportunity to work with her. Right. And when she picked the organization Butterfly, the Butterfly Club, we found out that they had in June lost a big portion of their government funding. Oh. Um, so two, this is an organization that's addressing young girls in their youth Mm-hmm. which is the most in like we all know, you know, you and I both together even know this. It's the most influential age for girls and, and young women. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then it was about figuring out, you know, in what fashion we could assist being uh, making it relevant to COVID. Mm-hmm. So I think all in all, like everything about the project came together. Jesse and I were both entrepreneurial mothers. We're both you know, figuring out how to navigate this, how to raise girls, um, realize that this was a very influential age, realize that this was an underfunded organization. And then I think once we spoke to the director of the organization, Aisha, and I asked if she could give me, you know, a real life example of how she saw this, like a, a life changing experience from mm-hmm. within the organization that she had partaken in. And um, an example of, of of um, a participant, I suppose, a participant that's life had, had really been influenced positively. So from this organization, I think all in all that in itself like stamped the marriage for us. Right. Um, and, and that was just sort of it. And then, you know, the, the birth of Indigo X Freed was born. And um, I think there's going to be more that everybody will see in the future from us. I want to ask you, and you you brought up, you know, a few times. Um, I mean, you you were able to successfully uh, implement new uh, new initiatives, new projects that you know allowed you to keep your employees uh, employed even with the, the slowdown due to the pandemic. Um, typically, when you face obstacles or challenges, what is your process for dealing with them? And is there, you know, is there one thing that you do when you find yourself, you know? having a, a tough time dealing with a certain situation or feeling like everything's getting chaotic. How do you typically deal with that? Oh, I wish I had like this nice rosy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just saying that this is like obstacles are obstacles for everyone. But, you know, as a, as a woman leader, how, how do you tackle them typically? I can tell you this. I can tell you that my husband would tell you that I never successfully, um, Um, channel these types of obstacles. I think by nature, I'm an overanalyzer. In fact, my husband got me a pair of socks that recently said, uh, stop, I'm overthinking. (laughs) So for the first three or four months of the pandemic, I probably was working and was awake 20 to 21 hours a day, Mm -hmm. seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I am sure for both my husband and my kids, it was not the most glorious time for them. Um, but I think, you know, the mentality of of uh, 
being, I, I think the mentality of survival kicks in. I think right. by nature, I realize now that part of my character is a is being a survivor. Mm-hmm. I am, um, you know, I moved all over the world by myself, not knowing people. I went to school all over. Um, I, so I think that it's part of who I am. I mean, it, it's part of who I am is being a survivor. So I think that it's it's survival skills. Mm-hmm. For, for this type of situation and never giving up. And I think it's also channeling the pressure and figuring out why you need to succeed. Like, what is the why? Right. And if there isn't a why, I'm not sure that you have the same drive. Mm. So for me, the why is setting up an example, setting the proper example for my children. Mm. Um, also, there's a lot of pressure in filling the shoes of my father. Right. And um, never leaves me. And at the age that I'm at, realizing that I still require that validation from my father, which we won't get into a therapy session about that at all right now. But I do realize, you know, that that is something also that's very active within myself. Mm-hmm. So it's survival instincts. It's um, requirement of validation from a father that was before you and was grossly successful and you try to figure out, can you even achieve 25% of that? Um, And then there's, you know, feeling the pressure of saying, I've got a young family Mm -hmm. and, and I don't, I don't want to be part, I don't want, I'm not sure if it's a failure is not the right word, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to show them that they're, they, you can't channel something and figure out how to navigate it. Right, right. So I think all of those things come together and push you forward. I don't, you know, I know I, yes, we've definitely achieved success together as a team with this birth of a mask by freed and even, you know, our, our new collection of outerwear that was very, um, influenced by my children and and creating a better environment for them, you know? Um, But, but all in all, it's, it's really about just not giving up. Mm -hmm. And even if you doubt yourself, I think it's also about surrounding people with yourself, with people that believe in you, which now will take us into my husband, who's like the gem, a gem of a human being. But again, you know, we could enter so many therapy sessions during this chat. So (laughs) I, I won't, I won't spend too much time on that, but you know, just push forward. Mm-hmm. Gotta push forward. Yes. No choice. No choice. Wise, wise words. I spoken like a true leader. Um, the question I love asking all my guests on the show, which is, what do you wish women would do more of? And knowing that we're entering a new year, so specifically for 2021, is there something that you'd like to see women do more of in, in these current times? Yeah, absolutely. So I would repeat the fact that I think that we all need to be supportive of one another and realize that there's not just one space, there's lots of space mm-hmm. and uh, helping one another create that space. And another really important thing for me and that I've taken a few moments, you know, I'm not very good at, at sitting back and taking things in. Mm-hmm. I really just pummel forward in, in the tr- a tr- just in a crazy way. Like, again, you know, just crazy. Like it's, it's really probably not very healthy, 
But I think to to realize and allow women to have space to be involved in the workplace and at same at the same time be a mother. Mm-hmm. I think that that's another thing that women don't nourish within one another mm. and give one another the space um, to try and figure out how that works for them and realize that that works differently for every single one of us. I mean, not taking time off after I had a baby was not normal. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that is what should be normalized. I think right. that that's just, you know, where how I am and, and where I am in my business. And that was okay for me. But I think you also need to understand and allow women if they need a year, 18 months, three months, whatever it is, you know, be supportive of that time and that space and that um, special time that they won't get back and realize that they are still a successful business leader, a successful human being, a successful work person, a value add in the workspace, mm-hmm. even even if they're also becoming a mother. I think that that's like a really dinosaur um, way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I don't actually think that we've really parked that forever quite yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And women would together, you know, find the right way to navigate that and support each other through that. Mm, Yeah. And the corporate world has a long way to go. I think it's great seeing, you know, uh, female founders who have their own companies and are able to implement, you know, measures and 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 kind of workplace conditions that allow and support moms uh, at work. Um, but I think the the corporate world still has a, a long way to go. So hopefully, we see Absolutely. these changes continue to yeah. happen. We have, as women who work in 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 companies, you know, it, uh, among our, our listeners, and it's important to push those barriers when we are working. Uh, uh-huh. in, a, in an environment that is not supportive of women uh, having having kids. Uh, Marissa, thank you so much. It was a pleasure getting to know you better and hearing about um, all the amazing things you're doing. Wishing you uh, all the best for the new year. And it looks like we're turning a corner. So, um, and thank you for, you know, supporting women and being a woman change maker yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, it's just, you know, I'm honored. It was my honor. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for the support of The Brandis Female. You got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Yeah.